0: Log Talk Radio. You can't see me, but I'm dancing to the music. Hot, hot music. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Brett from the Bunker, Brett Singer Radio. It is Friday, November 27th. The year is still 2020. It's still that year, that year that we all references. that year. you know, It's going to be references that year for many, many years to come. And my guest today is Mike Kaplan. Mike, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me on your show.
0: Of course. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so I ask everyone this, and it's sort of it's funny. When I first started, this was a very relevant question. Then it was sort of less so, and now I feel like it's still relevant. But how are you holding up? Uh, that That's nice. I think
1: I, I appreciate it. It's a short answer, uh, impossible to give, uh, but, uh, you know, all things considered, uh, disclaimers given uh, within the context of how everything is, uh, okay. Okay. Um, but I also like the idea that uh, how are you holding up as a question
0: uh, is best-case scenario. Are you even asking? So, uh, so you dropped out there for a second. Uh, how are you holding up Is best-case scenario? What? Oh, no. We're losing Mike. This is terrible. Mike, are you there? Oh, my God, we've lost Mike. We just started. Mike had a great answer. I'm sure Mike had a great answer. Mike is like king of great answers. If there's one thing you know about Mike, Mike can talk. One of the more impressive things about Mike's comedy is his ability to talk. I hope he can hear me because I'm paying him a compliment. I'm paying him a very nice compliment. Now, Mike, are you still there? We are having technical difficulties here at Brett from the Bunker. The sound waves cannot get through the walls of the bunker. It's a terrible thing. A terrible, terrible thing. This is what live radio is all about. I know I call it a podcast, and I do that because people just don't understand what radio is anymore. And I don't mean that as a dig. I just mean people don't really listen to radio. I mean, I do. I still listen to a lot of sports radio. And I've always enjoyed talk radio. Not really the right-wing talk, talk radio. That doesn't really interest me. But uh, talk radio in general is a big Howard Stern fan. And I do love me some, uh, some sports talk. So that's always fun. That's what I listen to every morning when I'm getting ready. And I am still hoping that Mike pops back in. I don't know what to do. Um, let's see. This is not a situation where I've got like a big soundboard. And I can say, well, let me fiddle with the doohickey, and then maybe we'll get it. It's like, nah, not so much. <laughs> not so much on the fiddling with the doohickey. Uh, Mike is still connected, though. So maybe he can hear me. This is, maybe this is an elaborate prank. An elaborate prank just to get me talking, just to see what I'm going to talk about. Well, let's see. I had a lovely Thanksgiving. I had some turkey. I had some uh, gluten-free and dairy-free sides. I had some green bean casserole, some corn pudding, and uh, even some stuffing. So that was fun. And I did not get to watch a lot of football because I was talking to people. Um, I usually do uh, like to do that. Let me just see if Mike has emailed me, if something happened. Mike has not emailed me, okay, um all right, so the call has dropped. Let's see if he calls back in so um but yeah it was a pretty it was a pretty decent holiday and um today I'm actually doing a live show, a nice outdoor show. Here comes Mike. Let's see if we got him. Hello again, Mike, are you there? uh I'm here.
1: Are you there? Okay. I am here yes, uh. I'm sorry that
0: whatever happened happened. did you lose
1: me mid me talking
0: or I did, did I lose I lost me? you I lost you ah. mid mid you talking you were saying about the uh, you were saying the how are you holding up question and something about that and then that was it and then I had to then I had oh. to uh, vamp I understand for for me uh, I'll check in every
1: once in a while uh, in the middle of talking for a long time now to make sure that I don't
0: talk for a long time
1: without. You being there? Are you still
0: there? Yes. Uh, well, yeah. So that would well, probably, that's probably a good, probably not a bad idea. We lost uh, everything you so said. Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, I I felt good saying it.
1: Uh, it's funny because here's actually I think it'll be an enjoyable thing to share about what I said for a specific reason. Um, the specific reason is one of the reasons that I'm glad to be asked how are you or how are you holding up in any fashion, is uh, that I'm grateful in these times and all times, but specifically now, to be uh, connecting with another human being. And so are you still there, Brett? I am. Wonderful. So there I was going on and on about how wonderful, even in, you know, the circumstances we find ourselves in today where we're not as able to uh, healthily, safely, uh, closely travel and gather uh, with all of the people that we might want to, yet still within that, technology allows us to have these kinds of human connectivity, these communions that are
0: so valuable. And I was like, hello? Hello? (laughs) Hello? Hello, is anyone there? Hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> now, how, now have you always had the gift of gab because you are particularly gifted at the gab? Oh, that's kind of you to say. And
1: I ah, it's it's hard to answer, but uh but I will do it for a long time. Um the only the reason I say that is uh in my own earlier life, I would say that I did not I did not gab as much. Uh between like there was a a move uh where in around 8th grade I started over at a new school and I wasn't very socially skilled I was introverted and quiet and like had never had to start over uh before and so I I kind of just was in a shell and uh I went to this summer camp uh which was seemed to be filled with other sort of outcast misfit, you know, artsy weirdos and there I felt, like, comfortable and welcomed in a hospitable, warm environment with other other kids who uh, like, or we were like, it, it's okay, we're all, everything's, we're good. Uh, and so I feel like that is a thing that gave me uh, confidence to sort of come out of that shell and socially blossom in a way. I don't know if I'm a turtle or a flower, but uh, some kind of combination Super Mario Brothers Turtle Flower yeah. and uh, and so then by the time I at the by the end of high school I was at, I feel like I was at a, a, a reasonable level of communicating with people as opposed to you know eating my lunch alone near my locker and uh, and being surprised when anyone was friendly uh, and then in college I feel like the the camp ingredients of uh, sort of you know acceptance and embracing uh myself and the the creativity that uh that was there within uh like sort of now went above and beyond and I was sort of like uh overly bubbling overly effusive uh overly uh gabby to the point that some people might be like I don't know if we uh, I'm going to return some of these gifts of gab but uh <laughs> and then you know, so I, I think that that is and i would say that my my mother and my and her mother are both people and i guess my my father as well uh are people who like uh know how to talk like it has always like my when i when i'm on the phone with my mom uh i would say that frequently i am like right now you ask me a question and i've been answering it for a long time on the phone with my mom uh my mom might be uh, more likely to ask a question and then also answer it. And then I'll, you know, I I participate in the conversations, but very frequently, especially because I have so many other outlets for uh, speaking, doing shows and podcasts and uh, having a person that I live with and uh, a lot of friends who I keep in touch with. Uh, my mom is living on her own right now. And so I, I think I'm probably the person that she talks to the most. and uh, And so – I sometimes say that my comedy style is uh like sort of the jazz improvisation ish, uh, my mom on the
0: phone genre of talking. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Now do you I mean, is that what you do you consider that like sort of your signature thing that you do in your stand up? You know, uh I uh I s I
1: sign things a lot of different ways. Uh can't pin me down. But uh Uh, There's, I would say that there's two ways that I love, there's two ways that I love doing comedy, let's say. Uh, One is, I mean, over the, and they sort of are connected, potentially, uh, but when I started, it was all just like, uh, I would write a joke, often, like, mostly just one-liners, and I would say it on stage the way that I prepared it, and if it, it worked or it didn't, and then I would go, you know, tinker around with it, like, edit, and be like, oh, maybe this way, you know, kind of like little, joke equation riddle puzzle type things and uh eventually i i saw maybe like four years in i started around 2002 2006 i saw the comedian rory scovel for the first time and i saw in even in five minute sets over the course of you know a couple weeks uh where we were performing in seattle at a comedy competition uh everyone else was kind of in the competition doing their you know just write, telling the jokes that they had written, their, their polished five-minute set or ten-minute set. And Rory was just so loose. And even when telling the same jokes, they would be in a different order. He would end one of them, uh, like, later than usual and continue to live in the world of the joke and just be present in the moment and riff and create. And I, like, I hadn't specifically seen that in a way, uh, like, you know, since then I've I've seen there's plenty of, you know, in In music, you know there's uh, symphony orchestras performing written pieces and then there's jazz improvisers who are you know uh, creating uh, solos varying on themes or you know creating whole things out of uh, not nothing but these building block ingredients of you know scales and modes and notes and uh, themes and ideas and and so i I came to I was like, oh, maybe I could do a version of that also. And so like sometimes then it would start with on stage, uh, I, I told a joke that I thought was funny, it was a new idea, but it didn't get the laugh that I thought it should. I was I would sort of just continue to talk in the world of the joke or about the joke and uh and then that sort of did grow into uh a a style of a kind where the style of not stopping talking uh, and sort of creating kind of like, you know, a, a musical ocean of sound for people to be grounded, I guess, uh, or, or soaked in or float on or surf on, you know, and uh, Enjoy. Maybe I'm the one. To, to, to to on float, float on. Is, I like float on or surf. Float and surf are good. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just in the float, you know, and, and so, one thing that I love is to create, uh, you know, an, a new hour of comedy, like, over the course of years of, like, trying out new jokes, like, working on the new ideas, and then eventually sort of solidifying them into, uh, ultimately, when I record uh, an album or a special, uh, it's probably the, like, the most recent album that I recorded uh, over the course of at least, like, it was working on it for three three-ish years. And then recorded it last year. And at the four performances that were recorded, probably like 90 something percent of what I said was the way that I that it would, it was sort of locked into place. I was still leaving some room for spontaneity uh, and improvisation and riffing. But like, you know, when, when doing the show, it's not necessarily uh, going wherever my mind will take me at any point. But when starting the process, of uh the the blooming phase of like planting seeds to create the new show or like especially in in the past during the pandemic i haven't been specifically planning a new like i don't know what the future is so i've been focusing much more on being present in the moment going where it takes me and then later eventually i might look back and be like okay now let's Uh, my girlfriend came up with the idea of like, that there's this blooming phase where just like ideas grow and grow and grow almost out of control. And then eventually to create the show uh, that that will be recorded potentially or toured or presented in some quote unquote finished uh, product form. uh, There's the, the pruning phase, you know, the deciding of like, so I can talk forever. I can say whatever I want. So now, what are the actual things that I will say that I want to say? That I want to say how and how will I say those things, you know, to create some kind of uh, structure formally and some sort of point functionally. Uh, but, yeah, so I'd say both things. Like in, in any, given, any given night on a – these days especially, I would say I am uh, aiming to be, like, as present – and sort of creating and discovering new things, new connections, new ideas in the moment when I can. And then also, uh, over the course of time, uh, creating something with with larger, you know, like,
0: I'm, I'm both uh, and solid. That's my style. I mean, how much do you write while riffing? I mean, is that a part of your process? Oh, yes. I mean I mean it's hard to even
1: uh like it's the word write itself like you know to to write is is you know what does it mean in the context of like you know sometimes I do sit down at the computer and type ideas you know I I start every day usually uh meditating and then doing uh this I go to this website 750words.com which is just sort of a an outlet for a morning pages style uh, writing session that sometimes I'm just writing an email to my girlfriend or my brother or a journal entry for myself or a rhyme or song lyrics, sometimes, or a book chapter. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to write, like, let's explore uh, things that could be jokes, fun ideas, just, you know, whatever is happening, uh, sort of the equivalent of, you know, doing a live stream of consciousness, out loud, uh, but written wise. But I would also say uh, so. But when you know, if you ask some comedians, like, how do you, where do you do your writing, and they say, like, I I sit and I write in a notebook, I write on a computer, and then other comedians, are like, I write on stage, and writing on stage uh, might not. For some, some comedians don't literally write anything down at all. They but they're still writing jokes. You know, the same way like you can write a song without creating sheet music for the song. And so the reason that your question is complex or the answer is complex, your question is uh, a good, simple, straight-ahead question. Uh, <laughs> but the question of, like, am I writing on stage uh, when I'm riffing? I mean, I think that the, the line between riffing and writing uh, is, like, if I go back and listen to the riff and like it uh, and then – Transfer it into my digital recorder. Uh, transfer it into my notebook. Transfer it into a file where I say, "Now, this is a joke that I am working on. This is a joke that I am writing. Like, it's it's actually fun to think about. Like, oh, is hey, is that thing that you just said, is that thing that I just said a uh, a joke that I'm writing or a riff that I riffed? Uh, what do you do? You would you like? Is there a distinction between riffing and writing that you would make? because uh, I I think that, you know, I guess it sort of depends on the ultimate result of it. Like, can you believe that, like, you know, the end product of writing a joke that might have begun from riffing, but if sometimes a riff in the moment is uh, something that only exists in the moment because it has to do with the specific circumstances of the comedian who was on before me or what's going on in the world and the room or the Zoom or... Or anything like that. And so I, yeah, I might say that there's a spectrum of joke writing from say a thing off the top of my head to, you know, say a thing off the top of my head and then say similar things and think about it and add more, you know, crafting to it over the course of time.
0: So some riffs go farther down that path than others. Okay. I could see that. So so there is but there is a point when you actually transfer it into like literal writing writing. Like like it sounds like you don't do a notebook, which is interesting. Uh
1: so what I what I do the it's sort of it's there's beef in the before times and in the now times are slightly different. Um so up until March for the past, you know, uh, 18 years or so, I I did start out with a, with a notebook and uh, then I got a digital recorder to record my sets. And so I would write my jokes in my notebook and then I would go on stage, you know, at an open mic with the notebook and be like, oh, let me try these, let me try these. Um, and then if I was driving uh, and I thought of an idea, I would put the joke idea into the recorder as well, which was previously just for recording the sets. Then, uh, over the course of time, it occurred to me, and uh listening to some other comedians talk about, like, I was like, oh, why not have the, the process begin out loud as opposed to in writing? Because the process is going to end out loud, like, because stand-up is a, at least the way I do it, I don't know how everybody else does it, but a spoken art form. Like, you know, you can you can mime as much as you want. Uh, right. No,
0: stand up is stand up is a, is, a is, is absolutely a spoken performance. There's there's no way around that. And I mean, unless unless you're a mime and that would be weird. Yes. And so uh, I say that because
1: like previously, writing and typing my jokes, which is not the same as speaking. You know, the brain is potentially doing something different while, you know, while saying things compared to, you know, using the hands in that way. And so the way that I would eventually come to do it is, if I have an idea, uh, driving or not, I speak it into my recorder, and then eventually when my recorder is either full or whenever I want to, I take all the things from the recorder and then listen back to them and write them out longhand into a notebook. And then uh, when the notebook is full, I then take the things from the notebook and type them into my computer. And so I have like a file called All Jokes that I think is close to 100 pages and maybe a half a million words. Uh, and you know, and it's not, they're not all jokes that I have performed or would perform, but it's just every idea that I've ever thought that I thought was worth uh, capturing and, and, and that is worth making it through the process. Sometimes I listen back to an idea and I don't remember why I said it or what is funny about it uh and so then they don't all make it from robot to notebook to computer to stage but i'd say most of them most of them i do uh write down in some form so the and then uh in the before times when i would go on stage i would still do a set uh record it and listen back and if i had riffed something that i enjoyed if I was like, oh, that's a new thing that I hadn't ever said before, uh, that I want to remember, then I would take that thing and put it into the process as well. I would take it uh, uh, from from the set and record it as an idea, and then have the idea then be written down and then typed, and then you know all the while still trying it on stage as well to continue to grow it. Right. It worked once It
0: worked once. Let's try it again.
1: Yeah, and now, now uh, the, only, the one major difference in this time is, like, I'm doing a lot of, you know, Zoom shows and other online shows. I'm not taping my sets the same way that I did because, like, I'm mostly not, you know, maybe that somebody's recording the Zoom and that's fine, but, like, there's not this – if I'm recording the set in my home while I'm listening to headphones of even audience laughing – my, my recorder isn't picking up. It would basically just be like a, a string of me doing a monologue. And so what I do instead of just taping the whole set is I'll usually have my recorder near me. And if I, if I sense that I'm going to be riffing something new, I'll turn it on and capture what I'm saying, which sort of streamlines the process where if I was doing it on stage, I'd be recording the whole thing, then going back and extracting new riffs. Now I'm just like, oh, I'm doing a new riff now. So the idea is in the ro- in, in my recorder, which I call my joke robot, uh, or just robot for short, or mm-hmm. all of this for long. And, um, and then uh, eventually uh, it goes through the same process of, you know, recorded idea to idea in notebook to idea on computer. And then uh, – so – but – Now I'm still mid, mid pandemic, mid process. Uh, I, you know, eventually, I, I, I imagine I won't, like, I don't know how many of these ideas, uh, that I've said off the top of my head, uh, and or that I've, like, worked on over the past eight months. Like, it's hard. I feel like, you know, I have said hours and hours of new, fun things that I, uh, would be happy to explore any of you know, as extensively as I could, you know, sort of any, any joke I did can be like an infinitely deep rabbit hole of, you know, where can this go? Uh, but,
0: uh, uh, I guess I got to the bottom of this one. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Um, you said something interesting. You said talk, when you, you, you would do the joke, when you were talking about um, the Seattle festival, that you still sort of live in the world of the joke. Like you, like you tell the joke, but then you don't, you don't leave it. You don't leave it aside. Can you talk a little more about that? Uh, Sure. Like there's
1: one specific example I remember, which might reveal a little bit, but also probably limit some other aspects of what it could be. But uh, I had this idea for a a joke based on like a, a bumper sticker that I saw. Um, and the bumper sticker said something like, on the eighth day, God created bulldogs. And the first thought I had was, is that pro or anti-bulldog? <laughs> <laughs> and so, your, thank you. Your, so your laugh there was what I, I thought that was the whole joke. Like, and so I thought it, I wrote it down. I tried it a few times. Like some audience, some people left a little, like most audiences, like I I guess I think I might've only done it like three times at open mics and didn't, it didn't get enough that I thought it was worth continuing. I was like, Oh, got got other jokes to work on. Um, then one day a friend of mine was another comedian was like looking through my notebook and was like, Hey, what about, this is a funny idea. Uh, and pointed to the bulldog line. And I was like, yeah, it never really worked out that much as I wanted to. And, uh, and they were like, try it again. And so now, like, sort of bolstered with this new confidence, I went on, and it still didn't get the exact response that I wanted, but I was like, with the confidence, I'm like, I'm not going to leave it. And so I just kept talking. I was like, uh, what? I was, like, so is it pro or anti-bulldog? Is it like, you know, God made the entire world in six days, and then he rested, and then he was like, oops, bulldogs. <laughs> uh, totally. <laughs> on Bulldogs. And and so then Oops Bulldogs became the punchline that pretty much every, I forget exactly how it all went, but I feel like Oops Bulldogs was the line that would reliably uh, make more people respond to it. And so that's like a specific example of like the joke, I thought it was over. I thought I I had done it and I thought I had an unsuccessful joke that was complete but really what I had was a successful joke that was incomplete you know what I thought of as uh the joke the punchline was potentially for other people the setup and so that that is something that has really stuck with me that like essentially any joke even a joke that I think is done and the funniest like if I I can I can keep I can keep going. I can like find, I can add things to the setup. I can, you know, which is, so I feel like in any, in any direction, you know, if I'm like, I know how this joke or story or idea can end with a big laugh uh, and then finding ways along the path to that ending. Like uh, I think I remember seeing like the Smothers brothers uh, talk when they, they were receiving a. uh, maybe a lifetime achievement award or something doing a panel at the Boston comedy festival years ago. Uh, And I remember them saying like uh, this, exactly that, like they had a, they would have a story that they, they knew exactly where they were going and where, where they would end up. But that, and that, that knowledge, that security and knowing that like, this is the funny punchline to the end of this piece. Uh, allowed them to like explore all these different alternatives, all these pathways uh, to riff and you know come up with new things along the way to, uh, that were like sort of maybe their uh, signature style and
0: so, you, so you that strong a strong, that you have a strong punchline of, you kind of circle it and then you and then you're dancing around it for a while. And and also then for me like
1: when I Know that that is possible. Like sometimes, like the uh, the dancing becomes its own brand new thing, and like new punchlines discovered. And at times, you know, if it's not like the 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 performance, the recording, the the ultimate quote unquote end goal, like I might even there's times when I'm sure I have not finished jokes because, like, the choose your own adventure path that was discovered ended up bearing even more fruit uh, and I would end up in uh, a different, a different enjoyable place though. I, I do, I always do my best to certainly like for a finished product to re- finish the idea, to complete all the parentheses that I open, if that is a possibility. Um, But yeah, so, so I feel like there are ways to like create, you know, create more, uh, I think Pete Holmes uh, calls them uh, playground bits where uh, you can, this is sort of along the lines of living in the world of the jokes. Like if there's the concept that you've established that like now you're like, Oh, now I can just keep uh, bouncing around between these different beats and ideas and, you know, adding new things, but also just having fun in the, in the world that you have created But, and also then potentially discovering new worlds, you know, like, Oh, like, what is the world? Is the world like the earth or is it the entire universe? Like, Oh, I mean the earth, let's start with the earth. I'm like, Oh, look out there. There's another planet. Maybe let's visit that planet for a moment. And like, we're still in the world of planets at least. So uh, yeah, we're, so I'm not going to completely uh, out or say, Oh, why not why not be on an asteroid for a little while or a meteor and are those the same thing? And uh, so that's, that's the kind of thing that I would say uh, is just allowing myself, you know. Right now, this isn't a stand up show that we're, uh, this is, you know, a conversation that we're having, but uh, for me, there's sort of now like even less uh, differentiation between, I'm like, what is a show? What is stand up in the time of Zooming? What is, you know, what is a podcast versus what is, you know, a conversation between friends? it between or what is uh, me just thinking uh, that I'm still talking to you when uh, the actual phone call has dropped?
0: Um, <laughs> uh, I, I Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, let's talk about the camp for a second. Now, do you want to say the name of the camp? Uh, sure, it's uh, Bucks Rock. Uh, I went, I, the I went there too. Is... I don't, know, I don't know if you knew that, but I also went there. Oh, I don't remember that. I did know that. Okay. Uh, um, what years were you there? Uh, oh God, I want to say my last year was eighty-five. Is that right? Got it. That sounds right. Yeah, I think you're younger than me. I don't think, I don't think we were there at the same time. Yes, I began when I was eleven in nineteen ninety. So, yes, very much so. Um, I, it's a very special place. I mean, you, they just had just an unbelievable variety of things, and you didn't have to do sports. I mean, that was really – you know, camp is so much associated with sports, and that was just not a thing there. And that was wonderful. I mean, I was just – I was a terrible athlete, and I didn't want to play sports. And so Buckshock was a perfect place for me. Oh, yeah, I would say even more so than you didn't have to do
1: sports, uh, most people either didn't or, like, uh, I don't mean, this is, this is now a joke, but I feel like you would be more made fun of for being or into sports there than the other way.
0: Yeah, um, I don't, the only, the only like, sport I remember they had was tennis. I know they, I know they had tennis because I knew the tennis C I T. But other than uh, yeah. that, I don't know what they, I don't even know what they had.
1: Uh,
0: they the one
1: that when I was when I was a kid, I think the biggest one was uh, softball. Like there was a softball league called the Watermelon League. That uh, there was like probably a game every night. Um, though also over the years, like in more recent years, I feel like it has shifted, and there have been like it depends who the counselors are as well. That sometimes they have somebody who's in charge who. Uh, is is also like, you know, athletics are valuable. Like, you know, the sort of aggressive, competitive uh, nature that can become toxic, you know, the way that uh, like the capitalistic desire to uh, win and achieve at, uh, at the expense of uh, the emotional well-being of all involved, like that uh, is meant to be. Kept out of it, but like there have been. Uh, there's. I remember playing like ultimate frisbee. They've had volleyball. They've had uh, soccer. Um, but yeah, it's it was
0: a minimal.
1: It, it, if you wanted to, they, I think they had like fencing and uh taikonso. fencing. They did have they fencing.
0: Had, I did some. Fe- I did some fencing. That's right. I forgot about fencing. Yeah.
1: They had archery, and then uh, for a few years, I had a buddy who was teaching um, uh, tai chi, and uh, so like. It, dep- it depends on you know who is who is there and what skills they have uh but uh, but yeah for the most part it is uh creative and performing arts yes very much so what was your thing at bucks rock uh good question uh i was i was my, a musician my whole life my parents are music teachers and uh i was made to play the violin from okay. age 4 and i didn't love it but uh then i discovered the guitar as a teenager, because one of my friends at camp played the guitar, and I didn't have to play it, but I was like, "Ooh, this is fun!" And I was like, able to get good at it because I had been already, you know, trained in my mind and fingers and stringed instruments with the violin. Uh, and so uh, I became a music CIT music counselor, uh, and eventually I also did stand up workshops when I started doing stand up. But music was my, I would say, main thing over the course of the. Many years that I was there. Though I started out as a uh, a visual artist more, but uh, like I was a good I was a good cartoonist when I was like you know eight yeah you know, five six seven eight like I loved drawing and like people enjoyed my drawings. But at a certain point, you know, approaching uh, puberty, I feel like I, I became more self conscious and more aware that you know I'm like oh I'm I. I I didn't understand that I could keep getting better if I kept doing it and that it would potentially take work and time and effort. And, uh, but I would, because I'd always been like, naturally, like this is fun to do and people like it. But, uh, so I, I, I did paintings the first, I think that was, I loved drawing, but at the, at the painting studio, they, it was called the art shop at the time uh, when I started, but I would draw and they were like, hey, do you want to turn that into a painting? And I, like, didn't really want to. Like, I was like, I like drawing. They're like, no, but like, they, there were some counselors at least who made it seem as though drawing was just a, a pathway to, like, a step along the way to making a painting. And oh, interesting. So I, I made paintings, uh, but I, I didn't love doing it. I didn't uh, – so, like, I did them. But I, so I think I did like one painting each summer my first four years there because I was like, well, I gotta have something tangible to show for this, you know. My parents are are paying money to send me here, uh, and, uh, and 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 I can't bring. I come home and I'm like, I I sing you a song. I mean, now they do like record the concerts and you can get, uh, and it's obviously the the whole focus of the place is like process over product. Not that, like,
0: at the end of it, like, what do you have to show for yourself? Like, well, yeah, um, but like, you like, want to you know, show, you want to yeah. show something. You, you, you certainly want to show something. There's something that I, I made, a, a, a throwing star necklace, with, and I actually made a yin mm-hmm. and yang with epoxy. And it was like the, the level of craft that you, could, that you could make while you were there is really impressive and kind of hard to explain to someone who wasn't there. Because they just, you know, I I was not a good visual artist at all. Like, that was just not a skill that I had. But I made silkscreens because it was fun. And so I would make posters. I would make a drawing, and I would transfer it to a silkscreen, and I would make, you know, multiple prints and whatever. And it was just, it was great. And they, But then they had a radio, sh- uh, you know, shop. Like, you could go, they had a, a closed-circuit radio signal that you could get on, and you could do your own radio show. And that was a blast. So... They just, there was a lot there. There was just a lot going on. Oh, oh yeah. I also
1: did, uh, I, after I sort of, you know, weaned myself out of the, or off of the uh, drawing world, I, that is when I like sort of started writing. Like I started sort of keeping a journal as a, as a kid and then also writing some poetry. And then I, you know, when I started playing guitar, writing songs and lyrics, which eventually would lead to jokes. But at the time, uh, I I also gravitated towards like a lot of my friends uh, became were at the uh, the publication shop and I started I worked on like the yearbook and uh, and there were you know lit mags and things and so I even before I really even I think I was like an art and layout editor on the yearbook I uh, even though I so I was like taking steps towards like becoming a writer or loving writing like the idea of creating. Creating things with words is, uh, is, you know, is what I do now. And But at the time, I didn't know that I could even name that thing as a thing that I loved doing.
0: So when did you start doing stand-up? How old were you? Uh, I was about 24.
1: Uh, in, so I, from the path of, of starting playing the guitar uh, at uh, which I don't know if it was at camp or just like my friend Ari who had a guitar uh, and came to visit me. Like so, sometime around age 15, I started playing the guitar and writing songs and then playing them at like talent shows at camp. And then when I got to college, i played them at the coffee house at college and like, you know, they'd have different nights with, you know, a battle of the bands or whatever. And then, uh, when I went out in, I went out into Boston when I was 21 to try and be, I was like, I want to be a singer songwriter. I want to go, I go to music, open mics. I want to go to wherever I can to perform my music. One of the places that I found to perform music, uh, just by searching in like, you know, 1999, 2000, my senior year of college, I like went online Google and, you know, I guess asked Jeeves or yahoo uh, Clubs in Boston, performance venues in Boston. And one of the places that I found was called The Comedy Studio. And uh, so I called up, and Rick Jenkins, the owner of The Comedy Studio, answered the phone because the phone number to the club was his phone number. Right. Uh, and he was essentially the only person, uh, he was like the, mainly the, the only real uh, employee employer. Like it was in the attic of a Chinese restaurant. So uh, it was just where they had. Uh, just a few years earlier asked if they're like, Hey, you're not doing anything in this room. Can we put on shows here? Like we'll get the ticket money and you get the food money and drink money. And so I didn't know that at the time, but I was like, Oh, a, the comedy studio, uh, a comedy club. And I was like, some of my songs are funny. May I come and perform my songs at your comedy venue? And he said, sure. You can have five or seven minutes, you know, And I was like, Oh, that's not a lot of time to do a lot of songs, but I went. And so in 1999, when I was like, when I turned 21, I would say that is when I first performed at the comedy studio that I was just playing a couple songs. Like, I didn't think of myself as doing comedy, pursuing comedy, wanting to do comedy. And I, I loved performing there. Uh, it was uh, great to perform these songs for in a room full of people who wanted comedy. Um, and then I would say between 1999 and 2002, I, pro- I probably got booked to perform at the comedy studio, like, two times a year. Uh, and because that was the only place, and I was also, you know, going to other music open mics and other venues that had musical things, but that was the only comedy place that I knew, but it was all just to do music. I was all just like, I want to do my songs. And so that's why I didn't get as many bookings there because, uh, Rick was like, you're not a comedian and you're not pursuing comedy. So, right. you know, every once in a while, you know, I would, I would book a set and, uh, bring a lot of friends and it would be a lot of fun. But uh, I was, you know, a hobbyist, a tourist, like, uh, in the comedy world at the time. But 2002 is, like, sort of between 99 and 02. Like, I loved performing at the comedy studios so much, partially because in between the songs, I would talk and people would laugh. Uh, And I would call now what I was doing then riffing, probably. Uh, But at the time, I would call it... uh, Speaking, I was speaking until the audience stops
0: laughing, and then (laughs) it was time for the song. Um, Mike, this has been fantastic. I hate that we have to stop, but we're going to get cut off. But um, can you tell everyone where they can find you online, social media, your new album, all of that stuff? Absolutely. Thank you for
1: asking. Uh, Anyway, so then I became a comedian, Um, and uh, so I'm Mike Kaplan, spelled M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N. Mike Kaplan dot com is my website spelled that way on all the social media my newest album is called aka uh i have a bunch of other albums as well you can find them wherever albums are search for my name uh and i, I have two podcasts one is called the faucet where i just talk myself and the other is called broccoli and ice cream where i have conversations with other friends guests artists comedians etc about the works and joys of their life and uh yeah i'm doing a if you're listening before Sunday. Uh, December 13th, 2020. I'm doing a big, long Zoom comedy show then with Rush Sticks. All the information is if you go to my
0: Instagram in the link tree in my bio. Uh, So thanks for having me, Brett. All right. Mike, thank you so much, everyone. We will be back next week. And happy Thanksgiving. And please stay safe. You too.